0: Hello everyone and welcome to the early stages podcast by APX. My name is Soren and I'm your host on this podcast where we guide you through everything you need to know about the first steps towards building a successful company from scratch. Once again, my co-host this week is Jörg Reinbold, serial entrepreneur, angel investor, former eBay boss, and today managing director of APX, Europe's leading investor for startups at the earliest stages of their ventures. Hey Jörg. Hey Sören and hey everyone, and thank you so much for listening. Throughout this year, we will publish a new episode every second week, zooming in on one specific topic that can help you as an entrepreneur on your way to success. Today's episode is all about branding. Let's get started. before we get over to the panel, let's start by asking you a simple question. Why is the brand of a company important for its success? Oh, that's a super simple
1: and extremely difficult to answer question. I think the simple answer is the brand is when it's done great. It's the manifestation of the company and all its ideas and the values and everything in the real world. And this is when how people can like super fast connect with the company, the idea and they can remember it, which is also super important. And they know how to channel their feelings towards the company into one concept, and that's the brand. So I think a good brand is extremely helpful.
0: I think the interesting part of this podcast is trying to see where it really matters for startups at the very, very early stages of their time as a company. And if we look at the APX portfolio of, around 120, 130 early stage startups by now. How important would you say brand building is at this very early stage at at their ventures when we look at them? I think it it
1: depends a little bit on on what the company is doing. But a a good brand that is well-managed and and well-designed and well-executed and consistent is always very helpful to, to reach your goals. And I think if people can fall in love with the brand, no matter if it's a B two B B two C business, um, it's, it makes everything easier.
0: I think that's an interesting point from you, Jörg. And let's now also bring in our our panel today to to try to get to understand why and how this is something you can really deal with when you when you are at the earliest stages of your startup. Um, our first guest. Today is Christian Rix, who is a co-founder of Pool and Impact Fashion Rental. Uh, before we go into the brand topic, uh, welcome Christian and, and could you just introduce us a little bit to, to what is an Impact Fashion Rental?
2: Yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks for having me and for the invite. Yeah, an Impact Fashion Rental, what we are trying to do is to uh, make it more fun and valuable to have access to the clothes that you want to wear instead of owning it. So we are in the access economy space or the sharing economy space. And uh, the impact part of it comes around that we are a circular business. So we circulate the products uh, and our members have access to them. And by circulating, then we increase the number of times a product is won.
0: And to talk about branding, I think it would be quite interesting first to, to get your sort of share your experience with the brand you've built could you tell us a little bit about first of all for the listeners who are not familiar with your brand how does it look and how did you develop it
2: yeah it's uh, how does it look yeah it's uh, it's colorful it's playful it's uh wild and uh, does a lot of things with very few rules which i think is, a, is something that you as a startup really should uh, should leverage that you have the opportunity to be a more wild and uh, not so controlled brand. But if for bigger organizations, especially global ones, they need really strong guidelines because the team in Mexico, they're gonna do a, uh, a website or a campaign or whatever. So you need really strong guidelines. And that just results in a very tied up brand uh, that also for the receiver and the ones that are following gets a little bit boring. That's at least the case for many big uh, global organizations where you as a startup, being small, you can let it go in more directions and uh, be more playful with it. Be fun when there's something fun to talk about. In our case, be serious when you talk about sustainability and impact. Where like, it's, for example, like tone of voice, it can be a much more free thing and more like a person. And that's what I find quite fascinating about startups also like you can have a brand on identity that comes across more like a person instead of a company and we all know like following a company on on instagram for example can be quite boring if it's a bigger one probably with some exceptions whereas we we much more tend to follow a person who has mood swings and uh, looks different from day to day i've also done music in 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 my past and there's a saying that uh, once you've seen the bandwagon it's already too late so when this idea that uh, starting a brand around that we should look in a particular way and you're very inspired by other brands, that doesn't work. It needs to come from the inside. It needs to come from you and what you're feeling and who you are. And then you end up creating music that isn't heard before. And that is the same approach that I think goes with brand building. Like you need to find out who you are. Uh, what you do and uh, what your values are, and then you start from there. And that's what we did. We started uh, asking about, like, who are we? Okay, so we are somewhere in the intersection between fashion, but also sustainability. And then as we had these discussions, we figured out that we could never say one or the other. So then we started and we worked closely together with our uh, graphic design and branding agency called Yukiko a talented studio here in Berlin. So we worked together with them on it and... Uh, they came up with this visual language of like a Venn diagram. So two circles that go in over each other and uh, representing this thing about fashion and sustainability always at the same time. So we took that language together with a very playful and colorful color palette and developed that further and created this wild uh, identity because we also figured out that our circular access fashion offering is all about wearing more and going crazy in fashion again, versus more like, you know, others, some uh, sustainable brands they are maybe a bit more like beige and uh, about slowing down and taking it easy. That was not our identity. We Our offering is about going wild, or you can go wild because of our circular uh, offering. So, uh, so we figured out that it's more authentic for us to encourage being wild and looking different. So we're also looking at uh, what does an artist look like. Their album can look different from every release that they have. And you still know it's it's that artist because they they believe in something and they have an identity of their own. So that was very inspiring for us to uh, to, to do this identity that uh, where it's more about uh, going wild and uh, expressing yourself.
0: I would like to, Christian, just to, to take you one step back because you mentioned how you started out defining your mission and your vision and what you stand for also in, in terms of, of values and how that got you to the brand that you then designed and knowing that you wanted to have something that would stand out and, and be wild and I presume also look different than your competitors. But but could you take us a little bit back into sort of the room and and the meetings where you developed this? What did you do and how did you do it? And who were you? Take us back to that, please.
2: Yeah, we didn't start talking about our brand. We started talking about our business model and our offering and what was special about our offering. And by developing the business model, it's you, I mean, you do traditional business creation processes where, where you find out if you're in a blue ocean or in a red ocean and, and if you're different, if your offering is different for a different audience. So we started around that. At this parallel to that, we did uh, mood boards. So it, it just became this fix, uh, this idea about energy. We got a lot into doing mood boards and uh, then we took those, uh, we took that to Yukiko and discussed that with them. And then they started drafting on different directions. And because we kept talking about sustainability, we kept talking about also fashion for what it is, the the fun and the exciting part about fashion. Because we kept talking about, we are both, we're never just fashion, we're also sustainability. We're never just about sustainability, we're also about fashion. Then that kind of triggered the creative process of coming up with this Venn diagram. And then it went on from there.
0: Mm. And we can easily get also more into into the brand. But I think it's very interesting to, to hear a little bit about these things you can do to build your brand. And I know, Christian, you also have experience with this from other startups that you've been involved with before Pool. I want to take this moment also to introduce our our second guest today, Anna Ludos, who is a managing partner at Sassarat Plus. Welcome Anna.
3: Hello and thank you very much also from my side for having me.
0: Thank you for being here, Anna could you tell us first a little bit about yeah yourself and your experience at Sassarat Plus with helping very early stage startups specifically build their brands.
3: Sure. I'm Anna, managing partner at Sasserad Plus, and we are a strategic consultancy based in Berlin. And we say that we give new perspectives for a better future. So what we do includes help on branding, innovation, transformation and sustainability strategies. And our approach is totally market agnostic. So we work together with companies like Henkel, Balsen, Porsche, Zone, startups, of course. So many companies. Um, And maybe I can add one more thing about our approach, because I think this is the perfect bridge, hopefully, to our topic today. Everything we do is brand identity-based. So we believe that knowing the brand is the foundation for a powerful future. And I think you're excited already with a clear brand. And you said people can remember it and people can connect with you or with the brand. And I think knowing this or in having this brand identity in a clear way then it leads to financial values and also in terms of customer loyalty and also internal it helps you to create orientation and I think Christian you mentioned already the guidelines and I think there are many benefits when you know what your identity is but I think we will speak about the benefits of brand later. So this is what we do and the second question was about my experience and Maybe two things during my experience within Zasarat Plus, I have learned that many and let me call it somehow brand fundamentals are there but not explicitly communicated. So, I think this is a problem that there is implicit something in the head of the founders but it's not explicitly communicated. And the second thing is that everyone should be aware of the post it could be painful somehow because working with your Brand means working with the identity, and this is somehow personal. So I think it's a really challenging process working on the brand, or on the brand identity. However, it's really important.
0: And that's interesting, right? Like so, you're about to say this is so true because I, uh, I had the.
1: The pleasure and fun and also pain to go to, through multiple brand processes um, during my life. And I love it. I'm, I'm like, I love brands and I love creating them and I love distilling them out of uh, people around me. And um, what you said, Anna, this is, I think, the the thing that then actually glues the founders also together. Also the team. I remember when Sören and me, we had discussions um, about what is APX? And in all, we also did it together um, for other companies and Christian, we have never done it and I I would love to have a a brand discussion with you because what what I love about your brand is the degree of freedom that it seems to have. And you mentioned that with other brands that are like very defined and always there's like so many rules around them and what I love about Pool is it's it's like for me, it's pure freedom in action. So it's... um, which I love. I'm like a super, super, super fan of freedom. Do I see this like this alone? Or Christian, is this also part of the
2: brand? It is, it is part of the brand. And we, uh, we had a really fierce discussion with our, some PR people that were, <laughs> they're great. Uh, yeah. uh, um, we had a really, really uh, great discussion around Toner Voice, so we did like this tone of voice thing, and I, I really like the guys. But but I I also just had a really strong point when they tried to put us to find our corporate voice, tone of voice. How do we speak? What what are the words that we're using? What what does it sound like? And I I just felt where it was going, and like now we're setting up guidelines for how we speak, and that's. It, for me, no, I, that's going to be really boring. That's And, and I think we'll lose uh, traction, we'll lose followers if we start giving guidelines to how we speak. For me, that is it needs to be more, like, like I talked about before, it, it, we need to come across as more like a person. A person who is excited about something at some point, less excited at other times, talks very dead seriously if it's about the war in Ukraine. But sometimes... Don't write anything and just use 10 emojis or whatever. It's like, like a person would do. And for me, that gives a stronger connection to you as a brand from your customers and your peers that they perceive that you are a living organism. It's people working behind you. It's not a uh, fixed visual identity that is made so that uh, the intern can post something on on Instagram without uh, making uh, a mistake.
3: I did some research in advance for our podcast and I found a number that totally underlies what you said. Um, Jim Stengel and he said that the brands that identified a strong identity and why and tonality... Go three times faster than the competition. And I think here you can see how important it is to be clear about your personality, your tone of voice and being a person and build a an relationship or an emotional relationship and telling a clear story.
2: Yeah, it's also like it's a really, really valuable freedom to have as a small startup where you're just one team. So you can align over the table and say, hey, should we, this is, we we're, we're putting this out right. And then, yeah, that feels right. But it's also, it's also a lot of work. It's uh, because when you have your templates for like for posting on Instagram, for example, or whatever, uh, then it, it's of course much faster because then you just change the headline and and you have your formats that you just put new content in. But for me, it's not a, it's not a way to go because for the for your peers, for those looking at you, it gets boring
0: and we're we're obviously also touching upon some some very conscious decisions from you question both with you and your co-founder as personalities but also with your company i would like to bring in anna here and also ask if you are an entrepreneur who've just started working with their own company before you even get to the process of how to do your tone of voice and, and mood boards and having your brand guidelines in place or not depending on the level of freedom you give yourself what are the first pieces of advice or the most important piece of advice you would tell all new entrepreneurs who are listening to this podcast and who want to learn more about brand building?
3: In one sentence, to be clear about your brand, and maybe I can take one step back, because what you have to achieve as a founder is brand preference. Otherwise, there won't be value. There won't be a relationship to the consumers outside. And brand preference is created by four factors. The first one is being useful. The second one is being interesting. The third one is being unique. And the last one is being coherent across all experience and this over time. And I think the main question is how to achieve these four dimensions. And therefore, maybe I can briefly introduce our conceptual framework that we use to define the brand identity. And it's somehow similar to what Christian mentioned already. So the first dimension of our framework is What is the company good at? So the factual dimension. Then the second part is, what are the company values? So the personality of the brand, of the company, of the whole culture. And the third question is, what are the manifestations? So what creates Gestalt to the brand? And the last one is the brand idea. And the brand idea is the essence of everything the brand does. And this is exactly what I would recommend every founder to do. And to be honest, the Brand ID Workshop does not take longer than two hours. And it gives orientation for everything a founder needs to know and to do. And also, for example, the pitch deck, the narrative, the communication assets and the future strategy. So it's really helpful to be clear about these four questions. This would be my advice to do as fast as possible as a founder.
2: I think that's super interesting because those four questions that you're mentioning, none of them are about the outside world. It's all about who you are uh, and what you do and not, I mean, I I could imagine that uh, maybe some startups, they would start looking at other brands and uh, seeing how could we differentiate ourselves from the other ones in the market. And you would end up looking at something that's not attached to who you are and where you come from and what you do. So I, I think that's quite interesting that also the way that you go around it, Anna, is that it has nothing to do with the outside world. It's not a positioning game. It's about finding out who you are and how you express yourself.
3: At least in the first step. And of course, then you have to listen to the customers outside. But in the first step, you need to be clear about your identity from my perspective.
1: Yeah, and then I think that the second step then only is to figure out, is it allowed? So if you think about ah, we should start a tech company, let's call it like a fruit then uh, several options are just not available. Like you can't be called Apple because there's something else called Apple, even though you think an Apple would represent you perfectly. So you need to come up with something else. But I think the, the order of things is so important, like starting from inside and then going outside and and not starting with a comparison with others and then trying to like come from the outside to the inside. That's not, I think, the way to to go about when you want to find out what's my brand.
0: You also made an interesting um, parallel earlier, Anna, when you talked about why it can be challenging to work with this as a brand identity because it is your identity and when you are challenging the core of who you are, it it should feel uncomfortable and you want to get somewhere. When we are focusing on these very early stage startups like we're talking about now, is there a place where it's, too early, so to speak, to get working on your brand, or at uh, too late. When is the right moment, and and how do you, how do you take it from there?
3: From my perspective, I would say as early as possible, but it's not too early. I mean, we are working with huge traditional family-owned companies, and they are older than 100 years, and we are working on their brand because I mean the context is somehow changing and. Working on your brand is something you should do continuously. But from my point of view, I would say do it very early and be clear about your brand. And then you can be much better in also, for example, pitching your story. Because you have a clear framework, a clear narrative. And it's easier for you to create the first communication assets and all these things. So I would say... Do it as early as possible because it's helpful and it makes your life easier. And also, and this is maybe one thing I usually observe when working together with startups, the understanding of culture is often implicitly there. But this only works with a small team. So if you are just one or two person, then that's fine. But it needs to be explicit when the company starts to scale. And I think, again, there it's so important to be clear about your brand and your identity and so I would recommend, again, to do it as early as possible.
0: And for some companies, obviously, branding means more than others. Christian, I think it's it's fair to say that for your company, your your brand is not just important for you and it's very conscious, but it's also something, and you told me this in advance, that has a positive impact for your business. You mentioned how it has generated new customers for you even uh, can you tell us a little bit about that
2: we see it pay off <laughs> if we want to say so it opens up for us being in our industry it opens up for some partnerships we're working together with Comte casson which is a, a very highly respected brand in the fashion industry uh, I imagine that it's also because of our brand that they think it's okay to be uh, associated with, uh, with pool. that's a lot to do with our brands. We are a tiny uh, startup in Berlin. We haven't grown to our next city yet. But we are also being approached by global brands, uh, some of the biggest uh, in, the, in the fashion industry and also from other industries, uh, global brands that want to work together with us. And we've been approached by uh, a global company uh, last week that we might do something together with. And they came to us because of our brands. Their headquarters is in London and they had some local options there for collaborations. But they came to us and they traveled to here uh, and visited us two days ago, five people, and they were just sitting like, we would really love to see your brand as a part of our offering. And that was a pure brand thing because they loved how our brand came across more than the other options that they had. So that that was like a very, very clear, direct one-to-one thing about the brand value and what that... Can do for you in terms of getting partnerships as a startup and uh, and uh, move your business forward.
0: I think that's interesting, right? Because it really says something about like, once you have a once you have a strong brand, it can have this positive impact. Obviously, it's it takes a while to to get to the place where you have a brand that even attracts customers. And a c- goal of this podcast is also to to shed a light on how to do certain things, but also to underline that building a company is tricky and there are many mistakes you'll make along the way. So I wanted to to end today by by asking all three of you actually um, and I think Christian you've already touched upon some things that could be said here but when it comes to to branding your 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 business your startup what are some of the absolute no-gos biggest mistakes a startup can make maybe we start with you Anna
3: Of course not working on your brand no seriously I think the biggest mistake is not to think about your identity and thus lose focus And I think it would be a huge mistake to oversell and being incoherent. Another mistake is trying to copy and not being original. And as you see, by thinking about your question, there are many things or many mistakes coming up to my mind, like being too opportunistic or, and this is something we touched before, not being interested in your target group or misinterpreting performance marketing as brand building. I think this is also a real important point and maybe one last point referring to what i've said before thinking that an implicit understanding helps are that enough mistakes for now i think there are many more mistakes than i can think about yeah
0: absolutely question do you want to add to that i agree on on those
2: mistakes uh, potential mistakes i think i want to circle back to what i also talked about before maybe the worst mistake you could do is to not be authentic and not letting uh, the brand develop from who you are and what you do and your values. And instead... I imagine like a lot of the startups being super busy and then they have a cousin who do, does graphic design and then they call him, "Hey, can you do a logo and some colors and some fonts?" and then then they get something and and which is okay and uh, they can be lucky that is great, but it doesn't come from it doesn't come from their identity and what they do. So it will not also not connect with the audience because it doesn't come from an an authentic place. And they will have also trouble developing it and uh, adjusting it as they grow.
0: Yeah, do you have a last comment to this? Yeah,
1: I think it boils down. Like I think there are two two areas. One is the craftsmanship and the execution, and there I think is it's when you're disconnected from your brand people will notice this. And um, all the things you just said, Anna and Christian, I think are manifestations of that. And I think what is super important is also to be truthful within your brand, which I think in the long run is the only way to build a really long-term successful brand. And this truthfulness is not coming from one person. Usually it's coming from at least the founder team. And then it's, it's an evolutionary process that that will develop. It's not easy, but it's also not that difficult when you start it right. Then it it will come naturally out of your company.
0: Thank you, Jörg. thank you so much for being here today. I think this is a good place to to end our our talk today. Thank you, Christian from Pool. Thank you, Anna from Cessar Plus. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thank you. That's all for today. If you have feedback or topic ideas, send me an email at cern at apx.vc or comment on the episode on social media where we are at APX Berlin. The Early Stages is a podcast by APX, produced by Wakebird. My name is Sora Nielsen, and I will be back in two weeks' time. We will end today's episode with a voice message we've received from one company in the APX portfolio, whom we've asked to share one thing they wish they would have known before they started their company. Here's what they said.
3: Hi there, I'm Sophia from Piggit. We are a fintech startup crushing household debt across Europe. One thing I would wish I'd known before I started my own company is how much delegation is an overlooked skill. When you're building a company, it feels like it's your baby. And as such, you want to take care of every aspect of it. But I learned at my own expense that it's not sustainable. And most of all, that there are people who would do the same things, but in a better way. The challenge from there was to find these people and then convince them to work with me for Piggit. I did it, and I could not be happier to be teaming with the people who embarked with me in this crazy, amazing adventure. <music>